MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the sports betting network. It is hour number two of the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. And for all of you guys that are enjoying our live video free for video feed for free this weekend. That was a little bit of a tongue twister. Well, I welcome you in. Hopefully you guys enjoy everything that you're going to be seeing this weekend. We're pulling out all the stops. We've got Brent Musburger interviewing Billy Walters later on this week. That'll be on Sunday. If you're looking, that is noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific. That is going to be epic. Trust me, we're going to be airing that a few times on here. We're certainly going to be trying to get that as accessible as humanly possible. That is going to be absolutely tremendous. And what is just absolutely tremendous is this weekend in general. More ways to be able to get to the window as humanly possible. Coming up more towards the final segment, I always do a college basketball pick for DK Nation. We got to get you at least a little bit of something for this Saturday as well, because I mean the big game is big, but at the same time, there's money to be made on Saturday. If you are a subscriber of the Coast to Coast Hoops podcast, that is the podcast I do over here at VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Well, I'm going to be having a four hour and 50 minute podcast because we've got 150 college basketball games. So it's not just the Super Bowl that's going on. You still got NBA action that's going down, you've got the Olympics. I personally am not going to be betting on the curling that's right now on my screen because, well, I don't know the first thing about curling other than someone rolls a rock and other people sweep. But certainly there are so many opportunities to be able to get there. But how about if we take a look at some of the things that we're going to be seeing with regards to some of these early passing props? Because what is unique about the Super Bowl is that you're able to bet on darn near anything. Will the first pass be completed slash not completed? You've got score in the first just few minutes of the game. It sort of is like with regards to the NCAA tournament. One of the more unique bets is that you're going to find is first to be able to get to 15 points. So for those of you guys that wind up joining us out here in lovely Las Vegas or another sports book, when it comes to the Super Bowl, you'll have a lot of fun during March Madness because I mean, the place absolutely erupts when you wind up seeing the underdog wind up getting to 15 points because you don't have a lot of people I want to take it like the minus $5 favorite on that. But what I do think is going to be really unique is will we see a score in the first, in the first 530 of the game, they make it 530. Not sure why it's not just five minutes, but five minutes and 30 seconds. And the yes on this is plus 130 and the minus and the no is minus 150. 
I think the only way I'd be able to take a look at this is the no, just because when it comes to a first drive, if you do wind up getting that situation where I was mentioning it in the first hour, typically you don't wind up getting a touchback on the first kick of the Super Bowl. We've seen it in the last 20, 18 of them have not been. You have some guy that, like a fool, winds up taking out the ball because they're thinking, oh boy, we're going to be able to get pictures for mom and dad and everything like that. They get pinned inside their own like 15 yard line to start out with. Well, that means that it's going to be harder and harder to be able to get that first score of the game within the first five minutes and 30 seconds. Now you could wind up seeing a team march down and be able to get a touchdown, but we just don't find that a lot with regards to the Super Bowl. A lot of these guys, they wind up coming out nervous and a lot of times you wind up seeing it just across all sports in terms of college basketball. When it comes to the final four, typically Teams in like the first four minutes before that first media timeout, they come out as cold as ice. You wind up seeing in the NFL, you wind up having the quarterback wind up throwing a bunch of airmail throws. They wind up not having a lot of accuracy. Guys are very jitterish. So it always typically favors the defense whenever you wind up getting into the first couple minutes of any of these games. Heck, if you're taking a look at a World Series game, typically a pitcher is able to deal a nice one, two, three inning, unless if Obviously, you're facing off against the Atlanta Braves like we wound up seeing earlier during the 2020 season in which they were just getting off to hot starts left and right with guys like Ori Soler getting leadoff home runs. But I always think that these sorts of props always do favor not having scores, having the defense be able to prevail over the offense when it comes to like first drive, first seven minutes, just a like early portion part of the game sort of ordeal, which is why when you take a look at first quarter spread, you've got an over under of nine and a half. I'd be looking at the under because I do take a look at the first drive and anything other than it being a throwaway to me is always very shocking. Typically you do wind up finding a lot of these first scores wind up being field goals as well. And you got to feel like the field goal kickers, they're going to be under a lot of pressure as well. So I would be taking a look at the first quarter spread under. Now, when it comes to me personally, I'm not going to be firing in on this. I can tell you this because I am someone that I always like to have a bigger sample. When it comes to college basketball, when which is what I mainly wind up doing, I always get asked about first half, second half bets, and I always want to be able to have a full 40 minutes because we see oddities that wind up happening because the smaller the sample size, the more likely you are to be able to get an outlier. So, if you wind up taking a first half bet, you're less likely to get an oddity than the first quarter. If you wind up taking a first seven minute and 30 second game, first seven minute and 30 seconds of a game bet, you're more likely to get an outlier than the full first quarter list goes on and on. So that's the way that I wind up operating personally. When it comes to your handicapping, it's harder and harder to be able to bet in these segments. Now, the one good thing about being able to bet, I guess you call it segmented bet, because I'm talking about like first five minutes of the game, first quarter, things like this. What is good about it is you pretty much know your fate right away. It's not one of these cases in which you wind up taking like a bet. You wind up taking like the Bengals plus four points. They're down 35 to zero at halftime. And it's like, well, that's great. This bet is dead. I might as well watch Desperate Housewives the second half of the game because this thing is not going to be able to come through. I have quite a few of those that wind up happening in college basketball. And no, I do not wind up watching Desperate Housewives. Good show, by the way, though. I do enjoy Desperate Housewives from time to time, but 
certainly it's not one of those things where you want to be completely drawing dead right away. And when it comes to one of these bets, you know, pretty much know your fate very early on. There's no point in which it's like, well, now I just have to sit here and watch it for the next two and a half quarters or the final quarter or something like this. So, I mean, that is a solid thing. But when it comes to early on during games as well, because I just mentioned it, typically early game scenarios, they do wind up favoring the defense a little bit more. You've got odds to be able to have the first pass of the game complete or incomplete. What I find about this one that's really weird with Matthew Stafford it's that the odds to be able to get a first pass completed is minus 130 and incomplete is plus $2. Meanwhile, Joe Burrow is minus 240 for completed. Incomplete is plus $2. If this is actually accurate, you just want to be taking the incomplete on Matthew Stafford at plus $2. And I mean, that's just absolutely tremendous value right there. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'm not sure if this was a typo, but I mean, we do find this a lot with Super Bowl props. I just go back to what we wound up seeing on social media. I'm sure that there might have been a few of you other folks that might have wound up seeing this as well when it comes to just that Super Bowl prop in which you always find it every single year. Over, under, amount of players that wind up throwing a pass in the Super Bowl. When you wound up taking a look at one of these sports books, they allowed you to buy down a point. So they were setting at two and a half. What they're saying is that someone other than the two starting quarterbacks is going to be able to throw a pass in the Super Bowl. At one book, you are allowed to be able to buy it down. I don't remember what book it was, but you were able to sell the point for 40 cents. So that meant that you were laying a little bit of juice on over one and a half players to throw a pass in the Super to complete a pass in the Super Bowl. And well, if you don't wind up having two players complete a pass in the Super Bowl, something has went terribly wrong. I mean, that's one in which it's like, if you lose, you lose. You're going to take your chances every single day on the face of planet Earth that two players, two different players in a Super Bowl will be able to complete at least one pass. So, I mean, you're going to be able to find something that is just absolutely uber hilarious like that. But and you don't always want to be taking a look at those because... Not only do we as betters wind up getting overwhelmed because there's 100 million billion props. Heck, I take a look at what we've all got right now at DraftKings and you've got like NFL slash soccer cross-sport bets where it's going to be like, is there going to be more Farron Torres goals or Odell Beckham touchdowns? I have no idea who Farron Torres is. Sounds like a good gentleman, but I, you're able to bet on something like that. It doesn't mean that you need to wind up taking it, but... I, you're able to bet on things like that. So I, these bookmakers, they do wind up getting a little bit overwhelmed themselves. So I do think that it is very hilarious. Like you've got something like, will there be more Espanol versus Barcelona total goals? Or will Super Bowl 56 have more total field goals? Like, I don't even know where to start with that because I just am not a soccer guy personally. But I there is a lot of these things if you're able to find a little bit of an error, like the one that I want just laying out. That is something that you obviously want to be taking a look at, but to the bet itself, I always think that these are the ones which you do want to be taking plus money. Like with regards to Joe Burrow, Matthew Stafford odds that the first pass is going to be incomplete. If you're able to get some good plus money, I would be taking a look at that because guys do come out jitterish. You can play this one of two different ways. You can think, all right, the coach is going to be drawing up like a really easy screen pass. 
they're just going to try to give these guys a little bit of a confidence booster. But at the same time, you have the guy trying to be able to haul in the pass. You know that there's going to be a little bit of jitters because it's the first minute of the Super Bowl. And you just find that in any big sport. I mean, just think back to your own personal life when you wound up playing in, whether it be Little League. Some of you guys might have wound up playing semi-pro something. I used to be a bowler back in the day when I was in college. That first throw is always the toughest one for me. So I can tell you right now, it's just... It's just human experience in general that you always have a little bit of early game jitters. So I do think that when it comes to early game bets, you do want to be taking a look at just erring on the side of defense. What you always want to be erring on with regards to some of these prop bets as well is taking a look at what we wind up getting with regards to the coaching edges. That's up next right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the sports betting network. You know that VSIN is the best place to be able to get all your betting insights for the big game, and there's still time to sign up and get our free big game betting guide. This digital guide gives you all the trends, strategies, props to watch, and tips from our experts. Visit VEASAN.com slash Super Bowl. That is all one word when it comes to Super Bowl to be able to get your free guide and get ready for the biggest football betting action of the year. As it is a great Peterson experience right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Got to give a shout out to everyone that works so hard behind the scenes. All the people that are putting together all these graphics because 
my goodness, there's a hundred million billion props when it comes to the Super Bowl. You've got Nick, who does a terrific job as the technical director on this fine show. Brad gets me set up on the audio every single Friday slash Saturday, depending on where you're listening to this. He does the terrific work there. And then you've got Brian Ortega, my wonderful producer, all these guys. Make everything humanly possible. We work with the best in the business over here on VSIN. Without the gentleman behind the scenes, you would not be hearing me slash seeing me right now. And if you're a part of watching this on VSIN.com, you're seeing this for free all weekend long as a little bit of our big game special. So we've got you all covered there. And the guys behind the scenes, they've got me covered. So now it's time for me to hold up my end of the bargain. And let's take a look at some props that we're going to be getting with regards to some of the more oddities, some of the penalties, some of the more coaching decisions, what have you with regards to this. So we're going to go a little bit more of a deep dive here. And I always do think that it is interesting to take a look at penalties. Now, when it comes to being able to take a look at some of these referee trends, it certainly can lead you to a little bit of a rabbit hole because I do feel like when it comes to some of these refs, the tendencies tend to sometimes not wind up bearing out what you think that they might. I think that it's one of the more unique things that you wind up getting because as we know during the Super Bowl, they're typically going to let a little bit more go with regards to something like holding rather than if it were to be during a regular season game, a boom, boom hit, something like that. It might wind up going a little bit less call because you don't want the game to be impacted by one absolute calamity of a call. Fortunately, the New Orleans Saints, before being able to get to the big game, they wound up having that a few years ago against the Rams and I can tell you right now, I'm pretty sure that the NFL would love nothing more than the refs to not be a part of the final, I guess you could call it, story of this game. But when it comes to team to commit slash accept penalties, you've got the Rams and the Bengals at minus 110 to commit the most penalties. And I think that this is very intriguing because you're able to actually take a look at a little bit more data when it comes to something like this. And it is really intriguing. And I do think that it is something that winds up getting forgotten about a little bit because I'm someone that I do a lot of college basketball and something that I actually will take a look at is how often does a team wind up getting to the free throw line? How often does a team wind up fouling? Because when you wind up putting teams on the free throw line very cheaply, as we know, that can wind up having a big giant impact. And as we know, penalties can be absolute killers. You've got some teams that they're very disciplined. They do a terrific job of being able to make sure that they aren't doing anything overly dumb. And then you've got some teams that, well, things wind up going off the rails a little bit. And if you're looking at your least penalized teams in the NFL, ironically enough, the Rams and the Bengals, they wound up being number two and number three on this list. You wind up having the Bengals wind up getting flagged 4.5 times per game. The Rams 4.4 times per contest. So I do think that that is something that you do want to be taking a look at. Do you wind up factoring in the fact that this is at SoFi Stadium, which, as we know, that is where the LA Rams wind up playing? I would say not so much necessarily in this setting, although I will say it is sort of strange that you've got the Bengals officially as a home team in a game that is going to be played in Los Angeles. The Rams are going to be playing in their home uniforms, and they're going to be having the sideline that they normally do. Go figure there. It's just one of those things where you just toss up your hands and you sit there and you think, well, I don't know how that wound up happening, but it certainly did. But when it comes to teams to commit more penalties, I think that that's very intriguing. And when it comes to the first accepted slash decline penalty, 
it's what I was talking about a little bit earlier. Sample size is too small that you just don't want to be taking your chances on the first penalty of the game because I mean, you could wind up having a situation where you wind up having the Bengals get called for one penalty in the game. The Rams wind up getting called for, we'll just throw out there, five. But it winds up being that the Bengals wind up committing the first penalty in the game. So even though you wind up having the correct handicap and that you thought that the Bengals would get called for fewer penalties, you wind up losing because you wind up taking the smaller sample size. You never want to be taking that. It's a big reason why I don't wind up taking a look at something like in the MLB, things like first run, first inning run. Yes, no. I just feel like you're utilizing too small of a sample size. There are teams that they wind up having a little bit more trends with that. But when it comes to a situation like this, a lot of it comes down to who winds up being able to get the ball first as well. Because as we know, some of these teams, they are different with regards to being a little bit more disciplined with regards to penalties on offense versus penalties on defense as well. Not all penalties are created equally. So I think that that is something that you want to be taking a look at as well. So you're able to go just down a big giant rabbit hole. I would say that if you're looking to bet a prop like this, don't have it be just, oh, the first penalty of the game. Rather, you want to be taking a look at the entirety of the game. Because I do think that there is a relatively solid handicap there when it comes to first penalty of the game. You might as well flip a coin, bet that with your buddy, because then you're able to save the juice and not give the books your, I guess you call it, extra little bit of juice on that. So I do think that that is something to keep in mind. Team to be able to use their first time out of the game. Rams are minus 110. The Bengals are minus 110. How do you handicap this? I mean, seriously. I don't know how you wind up handicapping this because... And there are teams that they wind up using timeouts a little bit earlier, but typically a lot of these timeouts, they wind up getting used up in just sort of a sporadic situation. You wind up having a lot of these be used up in a two minute scenario. And if you have a read on what team is going to have the ball in the last two minutes of the first half, I salute you because I certainly do not. These are the sorts of ones in which, you really don't need to be diving too far into personally. I don't think that there's a whole lot of value in these just because it feels like there's a big giant toss of the coin. If you're able to find a little bit of value, if you're able to find something where it seems like the market might be a little bit off, you've got a good read. That's great because I certainly do not. So that's something in which I would be like, yeah, that's a pass and move on. Now, I think that this is intriguing. Will there be a roughing the passer penalty called at least once in the game? The yes is even money. The no is minus 120. With this day and age in the NFL, I think that the yes actually has some relatively solid value. I was mentioning it a little bit earlier in that refs don't want to become a part of the game, but there are just sometimes, typically it happens with quite a few of these roughing calls where it just becomes absolutely unavoidable. You have to throw the flag. These referees, they don't want to be becoming a part of the game but at the same time, if you're in a scenario where a guy winds up just getting completely decked, it comes completely at the end of the play, and there's just a very, very clear penalty that is happening, well, you got to call it. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You have to call it, and I do think that there is probably going to come a time in this game in which it winds up becoming a roughing the passer call. So I actually do think that being able to get a little bit of value there with the yes at even money. I do think that that's relatively solid. Now, when it comes to coaching challenges, once again, this is one in which I feel like you could really be just 
chucking darts at a dartboard here because you've got odds as to when the first coaching challenge of the game is going to be used at seven to two. You've got both the first and second quarter, third quarter is three to one, fourth quarter is three to one, no coaches challenge plus 120 off the board is overtime. I would love to see what winds up happening because this is odds via the South point that we're seeing right now on these. If it winds up being a game that winds up going to overtime, I think that once you wind up getting into overtime, they all become booth reviews. So that would make this very mute, but that would be really intriguing as well. But yeah, they are all during overtime because I was just thinking about that. It's like, what happens if it winds up happening in overtime? It's like, oh yeah, I'm a moron. I forgot that that's the rule that everything winds up going to the booth in the two minute warning slash overtime. So you're trying to search for a little bit of value there, but sometimes we wind up doing paralysis by over analysis. Like I just wound up doing right there. And that's all part of these exercises with taking a look at a lot of these props. But I do think that honestly, the best value might be no coaches challenge was whatsoever, because when it comes to this day and age of the NFL, there's a lot of things that wind up going to review any scoring play winds up getting reviewed any sort of a turnover winds up getting reviewed as well. And you know that there's going to be both of these coaches that they don't want to be making a fool out of themselves being like, Oh, I think for sure that we want to want to be challenging this like five yard pass play or something like that. And you just burnt up a timeout. You don't want to be a part of like some Mike McCarthy ordeal where you wind up mismanaging the clock. You wind up mismanaging your timeouts. You don't want to be a Mike McCarthy. So I actually do think that if there is any value on that, it is probably with the plus 120. Now let's take a look at first things first. Some of the first scoring plays of the game, when some of the sequence of events are going to be happening in the Super Bowl because we're going to get some pretty good payouts on these. So we're going to be taking a look at that next right here on the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. This Super Bowl Sunday, Billy Walters, the Michael Jordan of sports betting, sits down with Beeson for only his second ever live TV slash, I guess you'd call it multimedia interview ever. His first was with 60 Minutes. Now he's joining legendary broadcaster Brent Musburger for an in-depth conversation discussing the current state of sports betting, advice to gamblers based on his life as a sports better, as well as his upcoming memoirs. This exclusive interview is only available on vston.com, the Sports Betting Network. Join us for the premiere at Sunday at noon Eastern, only on vston.com, as it is the Greg Peterson experience right here on vston, the Sports Betting Network. That's going to be absolutely amazing, by the way. It's going to be great to be able to hear from Billy Walters, who we all know he has done just so many great things. A lot of what we wind up doing today is because of the great Billy Walters. So I'm looking forward to that. Also looking forward to everything that we're going to be getting on Super Sunday. As we know, the big game is coming up. So let's give you guys another 90 minutes of Stony Brook, Maine. Nah, that's not the big game, unfortunately. I, I have been cashing a lot on Maine overs recently, but certainly that is not necessarily in comparison to what we're going to be getting from Rams versus Bengals on Sunday. And when it comes to the first scoring play of the game, I always do find these to be relatively interesting because we all remember that Broncos versus Seattle Seahawks Super Bowl. You wound up having that very strange wonky safety and you were able to catch a whole bunch of money there. But here are the odds on first scoring play of the Super Bowl. A Rams field goal is at 72. So 
You're able to get that at plus 350. When it comes to safety, that's 50 to 1. And Bengals safety is 50 to 1 as well. I know that the payout is nice. But, I mean, if you're putting, like, actual full units on these, I don't know what to tell you. And I think that that's very important to throw out here right now. Because when it comes to a lot of these props that are at, like, 50 to 1 or at 25 to 1 north of that end, it's really just sort of a shot in the dark. You probably don't want to be putting full units on them. You especially don't want to be having these be like your double down ones. You don't want to be like, oh, man, my bankroll is in ruin because the Rams didn't wind up having their first scoring play of the game be a safety. Good gosh, darn it. I have nobody to blame but the Rams. Yeah, that's probably not the way that you want to be going out with that. But that's that Rams touchdown pass. That is at 5-2. to two. A Rams touchdown rush is at 6-1. to one. Rams other scores, so I have to assume that this is something like a pick six, fumble return, what have you, any sort of defensive touchdown, special teams. That is at 25 to 1. Bengals field goal is at 4 to 1 to be the first scoring play of the Super Bowl. First scoring play of the Super Bowl to be a Bengals safety is 50 to 1. Bengals touchdown pass is 3 to 1. Touchdown rush for the Bengals is 8 to 1. And then any other Bengals score is 30 to 1. If you're looking to take the mantra that I wanted throwing out there, not necessarily betting full units, but you want to have a little bit of action on there. You think that there might be a little bit of value with a, shall we say, longer shot. I do think that some of these, any other score ones, might be able to have a little bit of value because you wind up putting into play these things like kickoff touchdowns. And those are something that obviously they don't wind up happening very often because you don't have Devin Esther out there on the field on either side, but I mean, you can wind up getting a scoop and score a pick six because how many games don't you wind up seeing pick sixes in? Now, a lot of those games involved Jameis Winston back in the day, but certainly it's very, very less than far-fetched that you could wind up seeing something like that. And I mean, these are two relatively solid defenses that do an okay job of being able for some turnovers. You've got a Bengals secondary that during the regular season, they were able to get 13 interceptions. They wound up having a touchdown of their own, so they were able to get there on one of those. They wound up having a fumble return for a touchdown this season as well. And when it comes to the L.A. Rams, you've got one of the nastiest front sevens in the NFL. got guys like Aaron Donald and company doing a solid job there. And when it comes to the Bengals' defense, you're seeing the numbers right up there on Visa.com. I feel like this Bengals' defense is a little bit, for lack of a better term, Medusa, because it feels like the raw numbers indicate that this is an average defense. They were 17th in regards to total yards allowed, 26th in pass defense, 5th in rush defense, but they were very much a bend but don't break defense as well. It felt like they were the 5th most penalized unit, so I was talking about the penalty props in the last segment. That's something that you probably want to be utilizing at your disposal because these are two of the least penalized teams out there in the NFL, and that goes to show you that it clearly is a defense. It's getting penalized a little bit more so than the offense when it comes to the Rams. They wound up being 29th in terms of most penalized units out there, but the differential was only about like 40 or so penalty yards. So that's the difference of about two, two and a half yards a week. So that goes to show you how thin the margin is. They were 15th in team total defense. And once again, I feel like that's a little bit misleading because once again, a relatively solid Ben, but don't break unit. And when it comes to the LA Rams as well, 
This is a unit that they did a good job of being able to get home on the quarterback. They did a nice job of being able to get sacks all season long as they were third in that category among NFL teams at 50. And when it comes to the defense and them being able to perhaps create some scoring opportunities, did not wind up having any with regards to the LA Rams. But I do find it to be very intriguing that they did wind up having a return touchdown from Brandon Boom Boom Powell earlier in the season. Now, I don't think that you're going to be seeing any sort of that, that any sort of situation in which that is going to be going on because, well, I just don't think that you're going to get enough return situations for either team to be able to get one of these touchdowns. But as we laid out a little bit earlier in the show as well, when it comes to the first kickoff, very rarely is it a touch touchback in 18 out of the last 20 Super Bowls. It was actually returned. So you're at the very least put yourself in play there. If anything, I'd be taking a look at a field goal if I'm looking at things other than just a big giant long shot because you do have yourself two relatively solid kickers in this game. Matt Gay during the regular season did wind up going 32 of 34 on field goals. Had a little bit of a rougher time when it came to the postseason. He wound up kicking that one short against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but has had two weeks to be able to heal up. And the guy that I think is going to be really intriguing and someone that I would want a part of a lot of his player props, that would be Mr. Evan McPherson. McPherson comes in having kicked 12 of 12 on field goals here in the postseason with a long of 54. Guy that has really been able to do a solid job all season long. Young 22-year-old. You heard Joe Burrow talking about, we love the moxie of this guy. We love the fact that he's able to be a little bit more brash. And he's someone that was pretty accurate on kicks of 50-plus yards during the regular season. Wound up going 9 of 11, 3 of 3 in the postseason. And if you're taking a look at just overall field goal yardage, the over-under when it comes to field goal yardage, when it comes to Bengals is 60 and a half. The Rams field goal made yardage. So by this, we mean if you wind up kicking through a 32-yarder and then you wind up moving through a 34-yarder, that would be a total of 66. So just to make it easier for you, that's 64 and a half. I honestly like the over in both of these because I do think that both of these teams they have a relatively solid shot of being able to boom through quite a few field goals. The over on Rams field goals at minus 175 juice, I can't necessarily get there on. Bengals, with that being more around minus 120, that's something that I think is actually quite a bit of value because I mean, we've seen it from the Cincinnati Bengals all postseason long. This is a team that they've had to settle for field goals quite a bit. In their three postseason games, they've had to kick multiple field goals and they've had multiple field goals made in two of them. So I actually do think that that's something that you're able to look to when it comes to Matt Gay, who I was mentioning a little bit earlier. He was dealing with a little bit of that leg injury. Seems like he should be good to go in this one. You want to be checking reports before you wind up firing in on that prop or any other prop. Like if you wind up taking Mr. Tyler Burton's player props with the LA Rams, well, hopefully they're going to be able to give you a refund because typically you don't wind up having any action until the player actually takes the field. So if you wind up having a player not suit up, if you wind up having a player just never getting an opportunity in general, you never get out there on the field for lack of a better term, for lack of a better term, you are drawing dead. So when it comes to like Mr. Higby, him being out of the fold, it means that, well, you should be able to get a refund there if they don't wind up taking the field. So just a little bit of simplicity there. But when it comes to these field goal props, I always do think that there's a little bit of value with them, especially when it comes to a team like the Cincinnati Bengals that they have been, they have been settling for quite a few field goals. And you want to be taking a look at a little bit of coaching philosophy as well. 
I wouldn't say that you've got necessarily the most conservative coaches in all of the NFL in this spot. At the same time, you certainly don't have a bunch of guys that are a whole bunch of stiffs either. So you're sort of in the middle on this one. You're not going to be having a situation like we've seen with the LA Chargers where they wind up going for it like inside their own 25-yard line. And neither of these guys are Mike McCarthy either. I am from the great state of Wisconsin, so I will bring up Mike McCarthy when it comes to buffoonery in coaching. So I do think that that is something that is able to cash you a little bit of money. I do think that you're going to see both of these teams wind up kicking multiple field goals. So I do think that with regards to both the yardage and also total field goals made, one and a half on the field goals made, relatively solid bets, and on total field goal yardage, especially for the Rams wanting to be able to reduce the juice, I do think that you've got something to be able to work with there. And something else that you're able to work with with regards to the Super Bowl is just taking a look at more of these gentlemen that they might be able to bust out and they might be able to have a big game. We're going to be talking about that next right here on VEASAN, Esports Bank Network. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the sports betting network. Play Wrangler Squares and celebrate the 75th anniversary with a free shot to win $75,000. Head over to DraftKings.com slash Wrangler Squares all together, no space in between that. Now to get in on the action for football's biggest Sunday, Wrangler for the ride of life. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details as it is a great Peterson experience with myself, Greg Hughes Peterson. Not intentional at all, but I think I had a little bit of Southern draw on that one. That's 
sort of hilarious because I was trying to say that in my more professional radio voice there, but certainly, hopefully, we wind up being able to get there with the regards to the squares. And they actually do something fun over here at Circa where you're able to pretty much choose your own Super Bowl squares. I know that they've been able to do some very solid things there. I know that a lot of books, they've been pulling out all the stops, and we are pulling out all the stops when it comes to trying to be able to find some winners. How about if we wind up taking a look at props that they have cash every single year the last 20 years. This is undefeated props, whether it be to the yes or to the no. Now, some of these, they are going to be a little bit more shocky than others. But you take a look at it, and shock, shock, surprise, surprise. There has not been a single player to have at least 200 receiving yards in the Super Bowl in the last 20 years. I mean, it's just a case in which I think that that is asking a whole lot of someone. If you're betting on a yes, you're banking on someone just being able to completely ball out. And I would not want to be taking a look at that whatsoever. Now, when it comes to the longest field goal being more than 54 and a half yards, the fact that that's a no, I find to be a little bit intriguing. You do notice that in the Super Bowl, guys do wind up getting a little bit more nervous with regards to the kicks. Back when the Rams last wound up making the Super Bowl, Greg Zerline, AKA Legatron, he wound up having a very much shank kick. So, I do think that that's a little bit of a part of it, but in kickers nowadays, they are more accurate than ever before. So I do think that there might be more and more value when it comes to longest field goal being more than 54 and a half yards, but obviously that is circumstantial as well. I think that you're a little bit better off taking like more than 40 yards slash less than 40 yards because when you wind up getting up north of 50, you just need to find yourself in a circumstance in which it winds up making sense. If a team is down, say, 14 points with seven minutes remaining. They're not going to try to cut a two-score game and be able to make it a two-score game with these coaches. You don't have Mike McCarthy on the sideline for either of these teams, so you should be safe there. And then will a game be decided by exactly seven points? And I think that this one is really intriguing to take a look at because the Noah's cashed on it all 20 times, and I think that this makes a little bit more sense than you might wind up thinking because you just take a look at some of the idiosyncrasies of the NFL game in general. And you do wind up finding for one, a lot of games. If I'm looking at critical numbers, obviously seven is a big one, but at the same time, I always consider three to be a little bit more of one because with three, you wind up seeing a lot of walk-off field goals that winds up happening. All you need is a field goal to win. You don't find as many walk-off touchdowns when it comes to the touchdown itself too. You could wind up seeing a guy get a little bit nervous. They wind up shanking the extra point. You wind up having at some portion during the game, a team wind up going for a two point conversion. They wind up chasing points. And I do think that that is something very intriguing to take a look at because when it comes to just being able to decide the final score, I do think that when it comes down to it, you want to be trying to be able to get within the three number when it comes to your bets. Like right now with the spread of chargers versus Bengals, We've right now got a spread of four. So if you're taking a look at the Bengals like I am, I'm going to be firing in on the plus four. I do think that that is a very important number when it comes down to it because with regards to just how games wind up falling in general, I think that the most frequent number is three. And you wind up seeing that actually in a lot of sports because college basketball, most frequent number that a game does wind up falling upon is three as well. Total is right now a 48 and a half. This is one in which I certainly do like the under on personally, but I do think that that is something that is interesting to take a look at. And if you do like the Bengals like I do, 
I know that there's a lot of people that they are going to be probably taking a look at that more around plus 160 or so money line, which I don't think is necessarily the worst call in the world because you do see it a lot in the NFL when it comes to whether or not a team winds up covering the spread or not. Typically, it winds up going to the outright winner. Also, the cover, you don't see a whole lot of events in which you wind up seeing a team wind up being able to cover the spread, but not win outright. We've seen more and more of that in recent years, but typically, this is on larger spreads. I do feel like, though, that this is going to be really a three-point game. I would like to think that it's going to go the way of the Rams a little bit more than the Cincinnati Bengals, but I do think that that is something to take note of, and when it comes to having a three-point game, you do want to be taking a look at some of these field goal kickers as well. Both of these guys have been relatively solid throughout the season. As we know, Matt Gay has been dealing with a little bit of an injury for the LA Rams. So I do think that that is something that you do want to be having sort of in your back pocket as inventory, something that you want to be taking a look at. And it's just important in general to be able to gauge as much information as humanly possible with regards to some of these players that you might not think is going to have necessarily the world's biggest impact in the world, but they might. I was talking about Tyler Higby a little bit earlier, the fact that he's going to be out the fold for the LA Rams. I think that that's something that you do want to be taking a look at. We were talking a little bit about the field goal kickers as well. And how about this? We were talking about just the amount of kicks that we might wind up getting in this game. The over on total field goals in the game is three and a half. This is one in which I would be taking a look at the over on because I was mentioning it a tad bit earlier, the fact that you've got a pair of defenses that are bend but don't break. Neither of these defenses necessarily did the world's greatest job with regards to yardage. They were very much towards the middle of the pack, certainly weren't necessarily doing the world's worst job, but at the same time, there was a little bit of something to be desired with regards to the total yards and the total yards only that they wanted giving up. But you just take a look at both of these defenses and both were relatively solid at being able to hold up at the point of attack, the Rams, they were in the top 10. With regards to points allowed, the Cincinnati Bengals, they were 13. So both of these teams wound up being ranked higher with regards to points allowed rather than total yardage allowed. So that tells you a little bit of a feel of sort of the hit or miss aspect of these defenses and the fact that they do wind up being able to come together late in game. So I do think that taking a look at that is something that is pretty solid. And you mentioned it. I mentioned it with regards to the field goal yardage as well with both of the teams. I was liking the over with both of them. And if you're taking a look at total field goal yardage in the game, I feel like this is very much correlated with regards to the amount of field goals in a game. It is at 124 and a half. If you wind up getting more than three field goals in the game, well, if you don't wind up hitting 124 and a half, something truly terrible has went on because if you wind up having four field goals of we're going to throw it out there. 31 and a half yards. So you have a 31 yard field goal, a 32 yard field goal, a 31 yard field goal, and then a 32 yard field goal. You wind up being able to get there on the over of 124 and a half. That would just be really bad luck. Now, shortest field goal made over under of 27 and a half yards. So you would need a team that winds up getting in a goal to goal scenario that winds up kicking that field goal. And they remain in that goal to go scenario because Obviously, you could wind up having first and goal at like the seven-yard line. You wind up getting pushed back. That pushes you outside of that range. But I do think that there's a little bit of value there as well. I do think that both of these teams are going to be a hold up on the red in the red zone. You've got a pair of quarterbacks that they do wind up getting prone to making some mistakes as well. I mentioned it with Matthew Stafford, the fact that he has thrown quite a few interceptions just 
in recent times in general. You go a little bit further back to the regular season, and he wound up having eight interceptions in those last four games, and Joe Burrow has thrown an interception in each of the last two contests as well. I wouldn't be surprised if you do wind up seeing some of these teams winding up giving it at the very least one rush if they do wind up getting in a goal-to-go scenario, so then you wind up having just one or two shots at the end zone as well. When it comes to the Cincinnati Bengals team, I do think that they especially are going to be able to do a good job of being able to hold up if you do wind up getting into a goal-to-go scenario as well because I just don't necessarily trust in Cam Akers personally. I was a little bit more of a Sony Michelle guy. Akers was able to redeem himself a little bit more in the NFC Championship game after, let's call it what it is. It was a pretty much cataclysmically bad performance. They wound up having against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, putting the ball on the rug twice. Not necessarily so terrific. And I don't think that there's necessarily too many props out there for multiple fumbles by one guy in a, in a game, rightfully so, because I mean, it very rarely happens, but it wound up happening to him in that contest against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And when it comes down to what we're going to be seeing out of both of these kickers, I do think that you're going to have both of these guys winding up lining up multiple times. They're both very trustworthy. So I do think that that is something where you're able to find a little bit of money. And I do think that you are going to be seeing both of these teams wind up getting held down a little bit more. It's a case in which you are able to get a little bit of portfolio diversity because if you like me, like the under at the same time, you could wind up having the field goals prop cash and you're under maybe not coming through and vice versa. So I do think that that's something that you want to be taking a look at. And coming up next, we're going to be taking a look at the big game with someone special. Taylor Mathis does a terrific job over there at the Westgate Superbook. He's going to be joining me next. We're going to take a look at her favorite props right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.